Welcome to Sure Foundation Lutheran Sermon Podcast Channel. If you'd like more content like this, check us out online at www.surechurch.com. The following sermon was preached on December 13th, 2020 in Brandon, South Dakota on the basis of Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The reading for our consideration this morning is from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 28. We read, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words, and she wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. This is God's word. If you have been to a fair or a carnival, you have likely seen somebody doing something like this, a booth like this, where somebody is sketching a portrait of somebody called a caricature. Not character, caricature. <laughs> a caricature is a, is a drawing of somebody that kind of looks like the one on the right. It's an exaggerated uh, thing that, that really pulls out your features. So, if you happen to be a person that has larger eyes than most, then that's going to be accentuated in a caricature. If you have a big nose, that's going to get brought out in the caricature as well. You're going to find that in the portrait. And And so the point is, sometimes these kind of resemble you a little bit. You can see a resemblance there. Um, Sometimes they really, really don't. And a lot of times, they are not very flattering. Because they accentuate some things that maybe you don't want accentuated. Now, Now, this is the concept that we have for caricature. But we also have a different way of using the word caricature. It's not just something that's on a piece of paper, a picture, but it's sometimes a picture that exists in our own brain. We come up with our own caricatures of things. So, for example, you students out there, when you think of your teachers, sometimes you form caricatures in your brain. You think of your teacher maybe as kind of bookish, nerdy, When you picture what they do for fun, they they probably sit at home and do math problems on the couch on a Friday night. That's 
their idea of a, of a good time. That's the caricature that you have in, the he- in your head of your teachers. And so it may surprise you to find out that your teachers actually like to listen to music and they actually watch some of the same movies that you watch. And believe it or not, some of your teachers, they play video games and follow sports and, and sometimes, sometimes, they even go to the grocery store and you might see them there. The point is, we, we come up with these caricatures in our head that sometimes have just a, a small hint of truth to it, but largely are not based in, in reality. So the caricature that I want to talk to you about this morning is a caricature that modern-day Christians, people like you and me, we have of people in history, in ancient times, specifically characters of the Bible. We, as, as big, fancy, modern-day Christians, we tend to think that we are a little bit more intelligent than people in history. We have a tendency to, to look at people in history and say, well, we're advanced now. I'm a little smarter than that person. And we tend to look specifically at characters of the Bible and think, we are smarter. I would have made a different decision. I would have done something different in that situation. We, we tend to bring just a tiny, tiny little bit of arrogance into our reading of history in general and the Bible specifically. So sometimes we look at biblical characters and we think, they were, they were just so much more superstitious back then. They, they were just kind of a little gullible. You know, they were just willing to accept something as if it was no big deal. But we are advanced now. We are far more discerning and we've moved beyond those days. Right? Well, it's good to acknowledge that that's a caricature. And an untrue caricature at that. People back in history in ancient times in the Bible... We're just as smart, sometimes maybe, if not smarter, than we are today. We've had the benefit of building on the shoulders of people that are wise before us. And that's why we've been able to advance, because they've, they've figured things out that we didn't have to figure out. We were just able to build on that. But it's important for us, as we read texts like this, Gabriel appearing to Mary, to recognize and acknowledge that we kind of do that sometimes. We kind of read Scripture with a little bit of arrogance. We need to... We need to remove that caricature this morning so we can really appreciate what's going on here. But before we get into the the story of Mary and Gabriel, I want to take you to an Old Testament prophecy from Isaiah. You've noticed we've had a lot of prophecies from Isaiah because because Jesus is talked about in Isaiah more than any other prophet. Isaiah prophesied about Jesus so much and Isaiah had a huge prophecy A really big deal, this prophecy was in Isaiah 7. He says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Now, now this is the point right here where we're tempted to think, oh, this is no big deal. People just accepted that as if it was no big deal because they they were gullible, they were more superstitious, they were more willing to believe things than, than we are today. But it was a big deal. This was a big deal. A virgin will conceive. What? (laughs) A virgin is going to conceive. Since when has that ever happened? It doesn't work that way. And people back then would have 
saw this prophecy and said, this is a big deal. If this is going to happen, it's going to be momentous. And this sign is going to be a very, very obvious sign that this, this is the Messiah. Okay, fast forward now 700 years. Isaiah was 700 years before Christ. Fast forward there, was it a big deal? Well, if we look at our section for this morning, it maybe did not seem like that big of a deal. The angel Gabriel appeared to Mary, a, a likely teenage girl at that time. Mary was not famous. She was not royalty. She wasn't a popular Instagram influencer. She wasn't rich. Mary was a fairly ordinary person. Her only claim to fame is that she was related to the once great King David, but the house of David was not what it used to be. The house of David used to have prominence, but it didn't nearly have the prominence it had today. In fact, fact, you probably couldn't use the word prominence and house of David in the same sentence. But instead, Gabriel appears to a young girl named Mary in a backwards, nowhere, hick town of Nazareth in a forgotten-about region of Galilee. If this was a big deal, if this was momentous, if this was Jesus the Messiah, then whoever planned the birth announcement must have dropped the ball. (laughs) It must not have been on their radar. They must have messed up somehow. Because look at the difference between this birth announcement and the birth announcement of John the Baptist. When Luke writes his gospel, he puts them right next to each other. The birth announcement of Jesus that we just read follows the birth announcement of John the Baptist. And it looks quite a bit different. The same angel, Gabriel, appears in Jerusalem in that case. Jerusalem was the center of the Jewish world. Jerusalem was an extremely important city. It wasn't backwards, nowhere, hick town, Nazareth in the forgotten area of Galilee. Gabriel appears to a Levite man in a temple named Zechariah, not to a, a young girl from a has-been tribe of the, the Israelites, but a Levite man. The Levites were the ones who took care of the temple, the worship practices. They had a position of honor and respect. And after the angel Gabriel appeared to Zechariah, Zechariah walked outside of the temple and he was greeted by tons of people who, who knew that something had just happened there. An angel, perhaps, had appeared to Zechariah. He couldn't speak at the time, but they knew something had happened, whereas Mary was alone. If this was a big deal, then somebody must have messed up with the birth announcement. But doesn't this just remind you of your Savior? That Mary was fairly insignificant that the birth announcement wasn't regal or calling attention to Jesus, but this is your Savior that you see in Scripture, isn't it? You know, the prophet Isaiah also prophesied about that. A little bit later in his book, in in chapter 53, he said, talking about Jesus, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. 
this is Jesus. Nothing that's going to draw us to him. He was born of a humble virgin in Bethlehem. He grew up in a carpenter's household, lived in, in the poverty of a carpenter's household. As he grew up, he became friends with fishermen and tax collectors. He spent time with people that no one else really wanted to spend time with. Is this the Messiah that the Jewish people were expecting? Is this the Messiah that the Jewish people wanted? Is this the Messiah that you want? Well, deep in my heart, <laughs> there's a part of me that has to say no. This is not the Messiah that, that I want or, or thought would, would come. Because my, my sinful heart desires prominence, desires prestige, fame, and, and glory. My sinful nature wants to be rich and important and feel important. My sinful nature detests humility because humility means I have to think about myself less. It means I, I have to think about somebody else before myself. I have to think about God before my, myself. My sinful nature detests humility. My sinful nature is diametrically opposed to humility and is perplexed and confused that Jesus, the God of the universe, would choose to enter the world in such a fashion that he would enter the world in humility. Yet this is what Jesus had to do. He had to be born of a, of a human. He had to take on human flesh. He had to assume the, fle the flesh that he came to save so that he could be our substitute. And so he grew up and he experienced life just like you and I experience. He experienced everything. He was tempted in every way, just like you and I are, yet he didn't sin. He remained perfect and that perfection would be valuable for you and for me. Because that perfection meant that when he sacrificed himself on the cross, when he spilled his holy and innocent blood, that would be the price. That would be the valuable price that it would take to buy you back from the sin that owns you. To buy you back from sin, from death, and from the power of the devil. Jesus came to be born of a, of a humble virgin. He came to be born in humility to show you that life with Jesus is not unattainable. It is not out of your grasp. Jesus didn't come for an exclusive group. He didn't come for the prestigious group, the, the, the upper class. Jesus came for everybody. And it doesn't discriminate at all. He came to save the world, which means he came to save you. And he didn't come for glory or riches himself. He came for a purpose. And we can see that very purpose in his name. When the angel Gabriel came to Mary, he said, you will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Jesus. Jesus means the Lord saves. Even from his very name, we get a glimpse of his work. That he came to save you and me. That he didn't come for glory and prominence. And that also means he didn't come to give you glory and prominence here on earth. But he came to save you and he certainly accomplished that. Don't be fooled though. Don't be fooled about the humble circumstances of this birth announcement. This was a big deal. 
It was certainly a big deal for Mary. (laughs) Mary, who, who was just in her home when the angel Gabriel appeared to her. Mary, who had her whole life turned upside down by this announcement. She had her whole vision of what her life would be like as a young girl. She was pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, and they had their whole lives ahead of them, and then the angel Gabriel appeared. The angel Gabriel appeared, and he said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was already confused from that very sentence. It says she wondered what kind of greeting this might be. She was trying to figure it out. She was trying to calculate what's actually going on here. And before she had the chance to figure it out, the angel said, you will conceive and give birth to a son and we'll call him Jesus. Now, now maybe we gloss over that sometimes, but there were no ultrasounds in the day. Uh, Gabriel predicted the gender of the baby before the baby was born. Kind of a cool thing. And then he says, He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Don't let the humble circumstances fool you. This was a big deal because this was the birth announcement of the Son of the Most High. This was the birth announcement of God, the Son of God. We talked about how He's our Savior, and that's what He came to do. We see that in His name, Jesus. But here we see that He is also God in the flesh. This is a big deal. That God appeared in the flesh to take His royal throne. And not just any throne, but the throne of his father, David. The house of David wasn't what it used to be. But Jesus was about to make the house of David greater than it had ever been. And Mary would have known that prophecy. We read it from 2 Samuel chapter 7, that there's going to be a descendant of David who will sit on this throne. And it's not just going to be any throne, but it's going to be a throne that lasts forever. Jesus was that one. He was the Son of God. He was the one who would sit on the eternal throne. And Mary is now hearing that that baby is in her womb. She says, how will this be since I am a virgin? That's her only question. (laughs) Man. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. This will be a sign to you. A virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. That was Isaiah 7, right? We'll call him Emmanuel. You know what Emmanuel means? It means God with us. All the way back in Isaiah, he was prophesying about a time that God would be with us. This was that time where God took on flesh and he was with us because he wanted to be with us. Your God, your God is not a God who who rules as a cold, detached God. He's not a God that keeps you at arm's length because he's so far above you. He is a God who loved you so much that he was willing to, to set aside his glory and enter history for you. To enter history as God, but to enter history as true man as well. To live a life and experience a life that we have experienced except to do so perfectly to save you. This is your God. Your God in the flesh. But 
that was not the only thing that he wanted to do. He, he was with us here on earth when he lived, the 33 years he lived on earth. But he didn't just want to be with you for the, that time. He wants to be with you forever. And so he came to be Emmanuel, to be God with us, so that one day he will be Emmanuel. He will be God with us forever in heaven. <laughs> That's your God. The birth announcement of Jesus kind of lacked the prestige and the pomp that John the Baptist's had. But don't let that fool you. We learned two very important things this morning from this birth announcement. We learned that Jesus is the Savior of the world, born of Mary. That Jesus, born of Mary, was the Son of God. And for you, that means that he had the power to save you because he is true God. That means that he did save you because he came to do that as the Savior of the world. And for you, that means you are saved. And so we get to live life and we get to say, just as Mary said at the end, we are your servant. May it be to, to us as you have said. Amen.